0: Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered Podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, it's Emma, and as a quick introduction, I lead the Researcher Development and Culture Team at the University of Leeds. My podcast episodes focus on areas of research leadership and research culture. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Elizabeth Adams from Scaffold Coaching, and we're going to be talking about everything to do with narrative CVs or the resume for research and innovation. So if these are brand new to you or there's something that you're currently trying to write, then hopefully we'll have some hints and tips on how to approach them if you're writing these as an individual. We're going to have a separate podcast episode that tackles the challenges of writing the team-based narrative CVs. So welcome Elizabeth. Should we start with a brief introduction to you and also why you're interested in narrative CVs?
1: Hi, Emma. Nice to talk to you today. Um, I'm oh I'm really interested in narrative CVs, partly because I do so much work with researchers, particularly early career researchers. And when I ask them about the things that they're most excited about in their research or the things that they're most proud of, um, I find that sometimes that gives people a bit of a pause for thought because immediately thoughts go to oh I've published here or you know I've I've won this prize and actually when people slow down and really think about it that's not always the thing that in five years time they're going to be most excited about or proud of quite often there's other things and how they've done the research that they're proud of and so I'm really hopeful that the narrative CV gives the opportunity to share some of those other contributions to research um, so I I work mainly with academics and professional services staff in the research environment. Um, my work is about improving the research culture, and I do that either through workshops or strategy or one to one coaching. And I can see how the narrative CVs sort of impacts on all of the things that I do, and they're they're one tool in a wider context of how we can sort
0: of change and in- encourage change in the research culture. One of the questions we get asked a lot here at Leeds in the workshops and sessions that we do is. Why are we changing the format? Was the old way really that bad? Is this way going to be better? Now, I've got my own view on this, um, but I'm really interested to know how you'd answer that question.
1: I think it's really important to realise that there's no one set in stone way of recruiting or evaluating grant applications or anything like that anyway. A lot of universities had already been starting to use narrative elements in some parts of their recruitment processes, as well as employers outside of academia, you know, some application processes now ask for answers to a series of questions. So maybe some case studies or even a short video that answers some questions, as well as your sort of more typical list type of CV. Um, I know that some universities are asking people to explain the context of their publications. So that's a bit of narrative as well. It's not necessarily a full full narrative CV, but just encouraging people to think more broadly about you know what what is it about this thing that I did that really matters? what's it changed? What's the difference of it? So I think there's always been a kind of opportunity to sort of, blend different types of approaches and and different processes, so the narrative CVs maybe aren't so much of a leap as some people think, it's not like a complete change, Um, it's more of an evolution and a, a trial of something as well, and the reason for introducing them, really the aspiration, is to uncover some of the hidden work that people are doing to making research work, to sort of take the spotlight off the the big name rock star PIs who, you know, have all the credit for the publications and other outputs, and maybe showcasing some of the activities that people do, which don't always lead to a first author paper, but actually could be hugely valuable in shaping the design and the rigour of the research that's being done, or in building and supporting the teams and, and the careers of the people involved in those research
0: projects. So you've mentioned there quite a few of the positives, and I really agree. Anything where we can showcase the breadth of work that people do within research is always going to be um, hugely popular. What do you think are some of the challenges that people are going to face with these CVs? Time is
1: is the biggest one, and that's the biggest challenge for anyone in anything in academia, isn't it? So the time for the people writing them, particularly where English isn't your first language or you're not used to these sort of more reflective narrative approaches, or maybe where you feel challenged to sort of big yourself up and and maybe it's not even safe for you to sort of talk in in positive terms about your contributions. Um, I think time on the part of the reviewers as well, you know, if someone's being handed a set of 500 narrative CVs to read, how long is that going to take them? Are they just going to default to scanning it for a few keywords or just Googling someone and looking up their research gate page? So I think we don't know yet how long it's really going to take to get to a balanced view. We don't know how people are looking at these in review panels. There's very little sort of data and evidence about how they've been reviewed and assessed within the wider context of the rest of a grant application. And I think there's a lot to to sort of work through there. I mean, these these are one tool, but other parts of the system have to change to accommodate that. And, you know, there really is a case, I think, for slower peer review and and more reflective. So hopefully these will encourage some of that reflection with good chairing. They might do that. Um, Other challenges, I think, is just that they've been put into the system. At a point in time and trialed with fellowship applications where those individuals are at a really pivotal point in their career. And I really feel for people who are grappling with being the guinea pigs in a change. And, you know, any change does upset the system a little bit and there'll be people who are really well supported for writing those CVs from their institution or from peers. And there will be people who have no support and are just trying to muddle their way through and it could have huge impacts on their
0: career. And that's obviously one of the things that we're all trying to change within our own institutions. How do we support not only the people that are writing these, but the people who are going to have to review them? Now, this is an approach that's being adopted by many of the research funders in the UK, particularly UKRI, but there are also moves to adopt the style more, more widely. So, for example, in promotional recruitment procedures, and you've already touched on some um, industries that are doing that. Do you think this is something that is a long way off in academia or something we could see quite soon?
1: I think certainly the narrative elements you you would see very quickly in either recruitment or in promotion applications and I think there already are some in in promotions applications or even at the last ref people were being asked to articulate you know why have you chosen these top three four outputs and you know what's important about them so people will be getting familiar with the way of doing this and and it not just being about quantity of publications but actually the quality and you know being able to articulate your contribution to those and we're seeing things like increasing numbers of authorship statements in publications And actually, those are just another form of narrative about who did the work. It's giving people the opportunity to talk about, you know, what did I contribute to this particular output? What did other people contribute? And and those conversations are hugely important, too. So I think we're we're already moving in that direction. And this is just another tool and another way of thinking about it.
0: That is a really nice way of thinking about it, actually, because when you start thinking about it in that sense, it doesn't seem quite so daunting but just for a second, imagine I am somebody that is completely new to this, approaching this style of CV for the very first time. What advice would you have for me?
1: Rate it with a friend. That's That's my top advice for whether you're writing a CV or you're writing your LinkedIn profile. I know it's really natural to think, oh, I can't talk about myself, but also you forget things. You you need someone else to say, and what else did you do? And tell me a bit more about that. And, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, what what feedback did you get? What was the impact of that? Um, Just get someone else to ask you some sort of reflective, um, sort of appreciative questions um, that get you to think a bit more deeply about what you actually did. And remember that it doesn't have to be just, formal jobs and formal roles like you might list on a CV, but actually if you have contributed to supervision, even without being the formal supervisor, you can still
0: talk about the activities that you did and the impact that they had. So you've mentioned there about um, the impact, and that's really important because one of the things we keep trying to say to people is it doesn't matter what you did. It's how that has contributed to other people's development or the development of the methodology. So it very much is uh, a different approach, isn't it? That that context, what they did, but crucially, the benefit that it had, the importance that it had. Now, within our programs, we do a lot of career development and we know that people really struggle with identifying all of those amazing things that they do. And you just mentioned a few of them there uh, and that they really struggle to sell that experience. They often dismiss it as not relevant or, or just part of my day job. I only played a small role in it. And you can get some of those feelings of imposter syndrome creeping in. Is this something that you think is uh, widespread that everybody goes through? I think. I think it's probably a normal and,
1: and quite helpful thing to to question yourself and, you know, have that those sort of imposter feelings. I mean, that's good, isn't it? Otherwise, we'd all just think we're amazing at everything and we'd not want to do any development. Um, so, yeah, it's normal. And the key thing is not to let it take over. But actually, can you look for sort of unbiased um evidence or feedback Um, so are there situations where you can articulate what the outcome was of supporting others for example or doing other types of work Um, and if it's not quite the sort of the the evidence and the data um, can you also ask people around you in your research group or collaboration just ask them to say you know what is it that I bring to this and how we do our work what do you notice that I bring to to meetings or that I do that's different to what other people do what do you like about what I bring to our collaboration and you might get a sense of things that you didn't even realize that you do and that might help you to think about what do you want the reviewer to know but in the case of a narrative cv for a grant it's about demonstrating that you've got the skill set and the networks and the capabilities and potential to deliver on that grant. So you've got to demonstrate that you've got the right, the right skills to do the public engagement or to, to manage the project or manage the people and bring in different disciplines. So, you know, if you're thinking about it in terms of, I really want to do this grant because it's important. I know the work's important. Then all you're doing is just filling in the evidence. You're not trying to write a totally separate document that's singing your own praises and just about boasting. You're just trying to provide that evidence that you are capable of delivering an amazing
0: research project. And you also mentioned that uh, difference between what we do through part of a formal role for example and all of the other stuff that the researchers are doing because They just do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be formally recognized. So when we're thinking about uh, the whole purpose of these CVs, it is to widen the experience and the examples that they can use to go beyond the contributions to just that research project. What advice would you have to people to get them to think about their broader experience, all of the things they can do, both formally and probably more importantly, informally?
1: I think having a journal, having a notebook that you write this stuff down in like all the time. I don't mean you have to spend all your time writing in it, but, you know, once a week, just note down some of the things that you've done this week. You might realise that actually you're contributing in a lot of different ways. You know, maybe you're supporting a health and safety audit or you're helping people develop new methodologies or you're writing sort of procedures for use of equipment or you're mentoring others as they start to learn how to use that equipment or, you know think about all of these different things you're doing it's really hard to sit there with just a blank page and list them but if you've just got a notebook where you can write them down on a friday afternoon asking other people and um, also having a look at things like the VTI researcher development framework i mean that's a framework which lists all of the skills attributes and behaviors that researchers demonstrate at different career stages and that might give you some ideas you might think oh yeah actually i, I do sort of help people to sort of um think about what good research looks like or understand what open research or reproducibility are in our discipline. You know, actually, I, I've done some work in this area, or maybe I, I've done some public engagement, social media work that, you know, you might not have thought of um, so
0: explicitly, but it just may give you some ideas. And then we've got the other side of that. How do you actually tailor it specifically to the resume that you're writing? So for the narrative that you're writing, um, we could end up with people having loads of experience, which would be fantastic, but we do only have a set word limit or a set page structure. So how do you then get people to think about what they include and what potentially they don't? Or how they can demonstrate um, the breadth of their experience in one or two different examples?
1: Yeah, you don't have much space. I mean, quite often it's a sort of two-page limit and there's four different questions. Um, So you just have to think about, what are the skills that will really be needed for this project? And what do I need to demonstrate that I have or have the ability to get um, or to sort of bring in from elsewhere? And then try to map your experiences onto those. So quite often I recommend for for all types of CVs that people have a sort of master CV that's everything. And then you just pull out the right stuff for the particular um, thing that you're applying to. So the same applies here. And, um, and then just getting other people to check it because obviously they, they'll they have a perspective on whether you're meeting the needs of the project, but they'll also be able to feed back to you on whether they sort of understand things like the timeline in your career. Because if you started putting stuff in from here, there, and everywhere, it might come across as quite jumbled um, unless you've really thought about that sort of timeline and what is the story of your career and how does one thing build on the other? And that can include outside experience that's not you know from previous work experience for example that could go in any of the four boxes and it might be about your people management skills for example um but just trying to make it clear that you've got these skills and that they
0: map against the project you're applying to so one of the examples that i use um, is if you're if you're writing a proposal and you're including postdoctoral researchers as part of that proposal then you really need to be demonstrating how you've previously supported Uh, other people and their career development where perhaps if that isn't something that you're asking for in in the application you might not spend so much focus on that and you might focus on something else what about uh, the people who are worried that they might not be strong in every box and I don't think
1: many people are strong in every single box um the the purpose of the narrative cvs is to to show that there's breadth in the research and innovation community in the UK and to reflect that and and rejoice in it I suppose so if you have particular strengths in one area and less so in others that could be because of your career stage because of the opportunities you've had to date um because of your discipline there'll be people who you know their research is really really applied and actually they might find it difficult to know which box different things go in because and for some people that might sound like a very sort of commercial focused thing and maybe they think that goes in box four but actually for them it goes in box one and so I'd say don't stress about the boxes it's about using the entirety of the C V to tell the story of how you've taken up the opportunities that you've had and how those build to tell the story of your career and why you're the right person um, and just use use the prompts as prompts but don't sort of be a slave to them
0: That's a really good bit of advice there. Just look at it as a whole and not as these individual boxes because we know ourselves there is some repetition that is going to happen between those uh, those four areas. So Elizabeth, we are almost out of time, but is there anything else that you would like to encourage people to do or to read or to try as they're starting to put these CVs together?
1: I think to give it a chance, be positive about it. If you feel like you're writing something that feels really icky and hand-wavy, like I am a paradigm-shifting researcher, if it's starting to feel awful, then don't write it and just sort of go back and think, actually, what am I trying to say here? You know, what is demonstrating that I can deliver this project? What evidence do I have? You, you probably won't have evidence for everything. Um, that's normal. So what can you say about what your approach was and, and maybe the things that you did? and any feedback that you've had or just you know any any results you've seen but you won't have evidence for everything because obviously some things just take a long time to to have impact so don't worry about that if it, if it's not possible just do what you can um and then if you have particular sort of perspectives on the experience of writing a narrative CV. UKRI have a box where you can provide feedback and I think they'd be really open to feedback on, you know, how this has worked for different disciplines and different career stages and, and particular circumstances. So please do use that to, to feedback and feed into the system in a way that's sort of positive and, and constructive and, and helps make this a meaningful introduction.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. And I would also like to plug at this stage that uh, the University of Leeds, through my team, we do have some resources available to people who are writing these CVs to help them think about the active language and to avoid some of the repetitive phrases that come out. Lots of the I dids, I haves, I aimed, all of those things. And they are openly available. And I will drop a link into the show notes at the end. But that is it for today. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, for joining us to talk about these individual narrative CVs. If you are thinking about how these work in a team context, remember there is going to be another podcast where we're going to focus on those in a bit more detail. And again, that will be in the show notes at the end. And on that note, thank you very much for joining us. And Elizabeth, over to you for the final word. Uh, Good luck, everyone. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.